Welcome to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. We are Gina and Nicole, two dietitian mamas and good friends living in Ohio and Michigan. This is a podcast dedicated to making whole family wellness more fun and less stressful. Whether you're listening in the car or slumped on the couch with a glass of wine, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Gina. And I'm Nicole. And today we are dishing about regretful nutrition advice with the hilarious ladies from the Diet Riot podcast. But first, let's do some catching up. Nicole, what's new? All right. The story you want to hear. Um, (laughs) So while we were in Florida, I got a call from a random number with our area code. And I was like, yeah, ignore. And it was not until later that I listened to the voicemail. And it said, Shay fell asleep on the bus. And the bus was returning to drop her off. I was like, what? So then I get the scoot from my in-laws. And I can't, I just can't believe like that. I don't know if they were really as cool as they kind of played it off. I would have been calling 911. So our bus stop is supposed, she's supposed to get off the bus at 420, but it's really closer to like 415 every day. So that time, again, I'm in Florida. I don't know anything about this and I'm not picking up my phone. So 415 comes and goes, 420, 430, 445, nothing, no shay. We don't hear from my in-laws. I don't know anything of it. As time goes on, we figure out Shay fell asleep on the bus. It was a substitute bus driver that apparently didn't know to stop. And so they get to the bus depot, wherever they park them for the night. And I think she was probably doing like a sweep of the bus to get any like loose paper, whatever, off the bus. There's Shay. (laughs) Oh, my God. My little kindergartner on the bus. And um, she was like. Oh, hello, child. Um, what's your address? Oh, my gosh. So she took Shay back home. Shay did not get home from school until five o'clock. Oh, wow. Was, was she scared? No, I don't think so. I think Paige she was, would have been terrified. This is just Shay. She's like, oh, okay. This is my bus stop. Fell asleep. I was tired. Like, whatever. Oh, and she doesn't. My, my father-in-law was like, she seems fine. Like, everything's fine. I, I It just, I can't imagine if like what if she didn't do a sweep of the bus and it's now like 6 p.m. We're like calling the transport. I don't even know, Gina. I don't even oh, know. Oh, wow. If it were me, I would have been freaking out about my kid not showing yes. up on the bus. So I'm yeah. almost glad maybe everything happens for a reason. I wasn't around for all that. Yes. Truth. And now, you know, if that happens again, if she if she falls asleep on the bus again, like what to do. Correct. I mean, you'd probably call the school and. <laughs> I'm also glad she knows her address. I mean, we've been practicing yeah. it, um, but that's good. Um, and other than that, nothing going on. We, I signed both girls up for tennis. That starts tomorrow. Um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Piper's like, can I wear a dress? I'm like, could 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 we not? I mean, the girl is, today was the 100th day of school. It says, what do you, Piper, how, if you could buy 100 of anything, what would you buy? Dresses. I'm like, <laughs> This is Sounds my, like Paige. Yes. Oh my gosh. She is just all girl. I told her that spinach um, would make her hair and nails grow really strong. Girl was plowing down spinach at dinner. I was like, oh, oh my okay. God. That's awesome. She's very, uh, yeah, I don't know about that one. She is. Yeah. That's, she is that's some part me. I, I know, but not sure which part. What's going on with you guys? <laughs> All right. So speaking of extracurriculars, Paige, you know, started her swim lessons, her private swim lessons, which have been going crazy. I think I I told the story about how the first time we went, 
the instructor didn't wear a mask, which was a complete turnoff to me. And I can't even believe I didn't put up a fit and say, no way we're leaving. Anyway, I called afterwards. They ended up giving us a new teacher and this, this is okay. So our instructor, I guess he's actually the manager of the whole like swim place, uh, mm-hmm. the, um, the store and then the swim, uh, lessons. So he manages everyone who organizes all that. He is big and loud and the complete opposite of anything that Paige is used to. Um, <laughs> when it comes to teaching, I should say, I mean, I'm very loud. So is Nick, but she's just used to having, you know, relatively quiet and subdued and, and, and relaxed and young teachers or instructors. This guy is a little bit older. I would say he's probably, I want to say in his fifties or sixties, possibly. I'm not quite sure, but let's just say, okay. So Paige, and I've mentioned this before, she's very high, highly sensitive. Anything that is really loud, she gets a little bit scared. She's scared. She's a little bit turned off by loudness, even though she should be used to it because I and Nick, we are very loud. Anyway, I've noticed that when people sense Paige's shyness and reservations and um, anxieties, they get louder. They think, oh, well, I'm going to get up in her face and make her feel a little bit, you know, better and less scared. That is actually the opposite of what you should do when you're around a child who's anxious or nervous or shy. And this is good, a good reminder for me, too, because I think I tend to do the same thing. Like if a child seems like they're shy, I'll kind of get up in their face and be like, oh, it's fine. Don't do that because it is it just makes it worse. So anyway, this instructor, he basically <laughs> she wouldn't get in the pool. He grabbed her, which I was just like, I know. I was like, oh shit. Like this is not, part of me was like, this is good. She needs that because otherwise she's not going to get in. But another part of me was like, oh my gosh, this is, I I don't want her to think that, like I'm sitting here watching this guy grab her into the pool even though she doesn't want to get in. Like there's something like kind of wrong about that. At the same time, like I I like it because again, she never would have gotten in otherwise, but we had a whole conversation about it afterwards, but he was so, so loud and just trying to cheer her up. And you could just tell she was like, you're being so loud right now. Please stop. She wanted to cover her ears. I could just tell. So anyway, it was kind of a dreadful experience, but she's gone back another time and, and it's getting better. But I just, yeah, it was it was a learning experience for me. And uh, so I told her next time because she hasn't had them again yet because we went last week. And it was another sub. It was, it was a different person. And so we had to see him again this Friday. And I said, Paige, here's what you have to do. Don't be shy. Don't be reserved. Don't be anxious. Just go in, be confident. Because if he sees that you're confident, he won't be loud. Like that, That's my guess. He's not going to get up in your face. So we'll see if that works. Oh, poor Paigey. <laughs> yes, yes. But she's getting, she's getting better. You know, as she, as she ages, she is, she is getting better. I'm seeing some progress. Uh, Let's see what else. Oh, Cameron turns four on Saturday, which is super exciting. By the time this comes out, he will already be four, but we're having just a tiny little get together with the four of us, my mom, my dad, and Nick's mother. We'll all wear masks, of course, but of course we get to have something for his little party pizza, cupcakes. And then we're having a little party for him at school tomorrow, actually, which is a Thursday. I'm just going to bring him Subway and some, um, I'm going to bring the whole class Subway and then uh, Captain America cookies, which is going to be super exciting. I can't wait to see pictures of that. And then lastly, I started reading the book Body Respect by 
she goes now by Lindo. She goes by Lindo Bacon now, but she, when she wrote the book, she was went by Linda Bacon. Really great book. I would almost say it is better than the original Health at Every Size book that she wrote. I'm pretty sure that Body Respect came second. I wish I would have just read this one first and forgotten the first one because this one is better and resonating with me more. And I just think everyone should read it. And I know I said that one about, said that about the last book, but I'm mm-hmm. I'm actually putting exclamation marks on this one. Like I think everyone needs to read this book. I think it should be in the high school reading list. It's just a great, great book. I'm I'm halfway into it. So I haven't, haven't even finished it yet, but it's just really good. So that's it. Love it. Yeah. All right. So before we begin, just a quick favor to ask everyone. If you like this podcast, please write us a review. Reviews on iTunes are everything to us and they really help us reach more people. So we'd appreciate it very much. All right. So introduction to the topic today, we have, we're going to have a little bit of fun. Uh, we're going to chat with the hilarious and wise ladies of the Diet Riot podcast, Brooke and Alyssa Miller. They are not related. They just both happen to have the last name Miller. They both married Millers. Uh, together, we're all going to look back at all the advice we've given in the past that we probably wouldn't give today. No, no, we didn't give advice that was harmful, at least not in the short term to anyone, but we think all professionals can look back and think of a handful of things they did or said when they were very fresh into their career that they would personally not do or say today. Before we begin, it's important to note that we know some of the things that we're going to talk about today may be advice or tips uh, that are still given by some RDs, maybe even you listening. Um, and maybe you're confident that this advice is helpful to your clients, and that's really okay. We aren't saying they're wrong. We are just saying that we don't choose to give this advice anymore personally. Uh, we're going to go through with several different categories, including diet and weight loss, specific foods, food labels, and nutrition facts, and general advice. All right, so let's bring them on. All right, welcome Alyssa and Brooke to our podcast. We are so excited to have you. We've been talking about having you on here for too long. (laughs) So before we dive in, go ahead and tell our listeners about you, what you do, a little bit about your family, and of course, your podcast. Yeah, so I guess I'll start. So I'm Alyssa Miller, um, one of the Millers here. We are both Millers. We always say not related, just redundant. We just both happen to have married men with the last name Miller. Um, so I'm Alyssa Miller. I live in Colorado. So does Brooke. We're really, I really can't differentiate ourselves from each other. Um, okay, so I grew up in the Midwest and then moved out to Colorado with my husband when we got married and now have two kids. I have a son who's five and a daughter who's one and a half. And we just love everything Colorado has to offer. Like, I don't think I'll ever go back to the Midwest, which was not part of the plan. I always thought I would end up back there, but Colorado has changed my mind on literally everything. Um, So we absolutely love Colorado living. And yeah, Brooke and I uh, started a podcast after I came back from my maternity leave with my son. Brooke had been hired at uh, the company we worked at and we met there and I knew I wanted to start a podcast because I am such a freaking talker and her and I could go on and on and on and literally used to get in trouble at work. And I was like, hey, I have this crazy idea. I want to start a podcast, but I don't want to do it alone. Will you do it with me? And she was absolutely in. Like even before I could get the words out of my mouth, she was like, yes, I'm doing that. <laughs> so we started our podcast, the Diet Right podcast and have not stopped talking since. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. 
Yes, it's so true. And I have a similar story. So I'm Brooke Miller, and I grew up in Wisconsin, so still in the Midwest near Alyssa. And after my internship in Las Vegas, I ended up moving back to Wisconsin, and my husband and I were super unhappy living there. And so we picked up and moved to Denver. I started my job with Alyssa. That was almost six years ago. And um, we just decided to start this podcast, and it's it's been super fun. And then we discovered through our podcast that um, we had a lot of food rules and a lot of issues still with disordered eating that we didn't really realize. And through the podcast, we learned so much and just continued mm-hmm. to progress on our own journey. And then um, we had this wild idea when COVID hit of hey I want to quit my job and we should start an app or a membership and we should we should be we should help as many women as we can um, and just go beyond the podcast and so we did it we I quit my job and we we are so blessed to be able to do you know podcasting and and helping women in our membership and and clients one-to-one it's been such such an amazing journey and so I'm like Alyssa I love living in Colorado I don't think I'll ever leave and I love spending time hiking and snowboarding and doing all of the fun things and then I have um so far I have one son he is turning two very soon and he is like the cutest most (laughs) sweetest little boy I've ever met um he has down syndrome he was born early had heart surgery so we had a lot of um kind of a crazy birth and crazy pregnancy but he's really healthy and doing well now so everything's calmed down in that arena very nice. Awesome. Just give us a little, okay, I know when you said, I know what your podcast is called, but Alyssa, when you said it, it was a little bit fast. So say it again so our listeners know what it's called. <laughs> yeah, it's called the Diet Riot Podcast. Okay. So it's all focused around um, really riding against diets, like saying diets mm-hmm. don't work, here's what does. And kind of breaking, we started out by breaking down diets specifically, and then we found that it was just so repetitive. It was like, we always had the same cons. We always had like every time there was like a pro about a diet, the only pro that came out of it was like, it made me be creative and find new recipes. And now I have one recipe that I love. And that's <laughs> it. Like that was the only pro we could find. So we started to like mix in some intuitive eating and then some lifestyle. And now we just like kind of chat and have on guests and whatnot. And yeah. it's just a fun time. It's yeah. literally just a place where we get to hang out and be friends. <laughs> Mom and, life, and you-, you know? Yes, and you do a very good job with that. The, the conversation is is never dull, so I, I enjoy it. So speaking of diet and weight loss, that is our first topic. So again, we're talking mm. about things that we have said in the past, uh, maybe to clients or to family or friends about nutrition and health com- from a dietitian's perspective, and that we would probably not say or recommend again, the first one being diet and weight loss. So Alyssa, take it away. Oh, yeah. First of all, I just want to say I love this idea for a podcast episode because very rarely in the medical industry will you find people who admit that they were wrong or changed. Like people just try to like sweep it under the rug. And this is like all what Brooke and I are about is like honesty and total transparency of our own journeys as well, because I think that's where people learn. So this is really good. Um, So the first one I want to talk about, I 
Oh, man, this is hard. I know, there's so many. <laughs> I, there's so much guilt too, like wrapped up in it when I just wish I could call all these patients back if it didn't totally violate HIPAA <laughs> and tell them, I'm so sorry, can you just scratch that from your brain? But my first one is to track, 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 track. Everything you write down, track, track, track. And it was all about weight loss and the research that does in fact show that when you track your food every bite, that you tend to eat less because you're accountable. Mm-hmm. What it doesn't talk about is that sustainability factor and the idea that tracking your food is absolutely miserable for your lifestyle and for what you actually enjoy. And the research doesn't intentionally doesn't show what happens when you stop tracking. And so I I remember telling people to track every single thing they put in their mouth. Mm -hmm. Definitely on both ends too. I mean, (laughs) I've tracked everything I ate. It's miserable. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, (laughs) me too. All right. What's your next? Oh, yeah. We're going to do two. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. No, no, no. I totally was like, I think I do one and then we go around. No, no, no. I got both. <laughs> we can do it that way, too. <laughs> no, nope, I got the second one. Um, so the next one, <laughs> I like look back on it. I just think it's so funny and kind of like and you can really understand why this is funny when you're years into the road of intuitive eating and realizing how crazy my rules were. I remember to tell patients or clients to weigh themselves first thing in the morning after they go to the bathroom, but before they put clothes on, before they shower, like a very specific time of the day to weigh yourself as if that was like an accurate weight that could totally track every fluid that was going in onto your body. Like it's just not, it's not the same idea. Like I used to think weight was so cemented and um, it's just not, you're, you're fluctuating all the time. And I just remember being so specific with my clients, like, okay, I want you to wake up. And if you wake up at the same time every day, I want you to use the restroom first and da, 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 you know? And I remember patients asking me questions like, well, what if I have to poop? And I'd be like, okay, well poop first, that's fine. Like just so specific <laughs> and it's like cringy now to think about oh, like how gosh. wrapped up I was. And I followed that advice too, right? Like I was always like, get every last ounce of pee out of me before I step on the scale. Oh, I don't want to be one pound more than I have to be, right? It's just, it's crazy how tied up I was in that. Oh, yes. I I know I've given that same advice before Mm -hmm. in the poop question, too. It's like, yeah, of course you poop first. So you weigh less than you get on the scale. Duh. Yeah, it's just poop. It's waste. Get it out. (laughs) You don't need it It's not actual weight. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, And I like, also like minimum once a week. You can do it more often. I didn't ever recommend every day, but I was like once every three days, but at least once a week. Ugh, yeah, ugh, the, the ugh. scale. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. exactly. Cringy. Yeah. Yep, cringy. Uh, exactly. What about you, Brooke? <laughs> um, yeah, I had a lot. I think the biggest thing for me was I was so I was a college athlete, and so I've just always been. You know, I had a personal trainer at 15, and exercise is such an important thing in my life. And I think, and immediately, like when I was a dietetic intern and became a registered dietitian. I, I definitely overdid it with exercise and I was very much in the mindset of eat less and exercise more. And then what I was finding was I remember drinking slim fast on my way to my college softball practice. And then we would have four hour practices and I wouldn't be able to like, like focus. And I, I, I couldn't figure out why. And it was because I was undernourishing myself so mm-hmm. much. And I was wondering like, why aren't I gaining muscle in the weight room when I'm lifting every single day and I'm not taking breaks. And so I think for me, the biggest thing that I started teaching people and granted, you know, my first job out of college was at WIC. And so I was really working with infants, you know, on breastfeeding. So I, I wasn't, mm-hmm. but I, I did have some postpartum moms who would come in asking me for weight loss advice. And I would 
very simply just be like, oh, well, you just, you know, eat less and exercise more. Are you exercising? You know, hit the gym, ten, you know, seven days a week. And, you know, I just set these like crazy unrealistic expectations for the average mom. And now that I'm a mom, too, I'm like, there's hmm. no way I would ever tell a mom to do any of this now. Um, so that was probably the biggest uh the biggest thing that I was just kind of preaching was like, it's just as simple as eat less and exercise more. Yeah. And then the other thing in terms of like weight loss and reading labels, I was very caught up in sugar. Like I went through a mm. phase of like, I need to do a sugar detox and everybody, you know, Americans eat way too much sugar and we need to eliminate all sugar. We can't even have ketchup because they have some added sugar in there. And I was like, <laughs> honestly, like a sugar police person. And then of course, when I would restrict it, I would end up binging it because we all know that's how that works. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was just very like demonizing sugar, even though I would restrict it and then binge it often. <laughs> and yeah. so I, I couldn't ever go. I think the longest I ever went on like a sugar detox was two weeks, but I would tell that as well. And, you know, in, in WIC as a registered dietitian, I did, I did spend a lot of time kind of demonizing juice specifically. Like I was really like, when I'm a parent, I'm never going to give my kids juice. Like all these kids are hopped up on sugar all day. That's why they're so wild. And, and um, I was just like, so caught up in like, well, all these kids are gaining weight so fast because they're drinking all this juice and sugar. And so, yeah, it was definitely, um, in the sugar police category as well. Yeah, Brooke, I am I am with you. In fact, that was my first one on my list was I used to, I used to, especially when people would come in, I used to work in a, a grocery store and I would do grocery store tours and talk about labels and talk about mainly weight loss. That was a big topic that we had to discuss quite often because that was the most popular topic, of course. And it always came down to sugar, 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 sugar. Make sure you pick up that label and you look at how much sugar is in it. And if it's too much, you know, I would give them a range. You know, if it's less than, if it's a cereal, it should be less than 10 grams. If it's a bar, it should be less than five or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I would. I was definitely big on on recommending uh, reducing or not necessarily cutting out, but significantly reducing added sugars in the diet. But I would say my my big two that I would I look back and I kind of cringe, or at least I don't think I would suggest it now because I certainly wouldn't suggest suggest it for myself. Is one that I talked about during the holidays was. Um, when you go to a party, whether it's a holiday party or a potluck, make sure that if you're bringing something, you make it healthy. Make sure it's a fruit or a vegetable. That way, if everything else is junky and you can't eat that, at least you'll have something that you can eat and you can just sit there and eat as much of that as you want. I mean, I used to legit say that. And I just 100%. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I still think it's an okay. There's nothing wrong with suggesting that as long as your mm -hmm. intentions are good. Like I, I used to legit say is, you know, bring this because you might not be able to eat anything else, mm -hmm. uh, which is really where it's a problem. It's okay if you want to, you know, watch your portions and watch what you're eating um, and generally choose more balanced food. It's okay if you want to bring a fruit or a vegetable. But if your intention is to do that because you're afraid there won't be anything else there that you can eat, that's where the problem is. Um, so I think I should have just reworded um, that suggestion for sure. Mm-hmm. And then another one, and this is so, I don't know, trite maybe, but brush your teeth or eat a mint after dinner so you don't snack at night. This was a, a recommendation I would always give to people trying to lose weight. You know, right after dinner, just make sure you just go and brush your teeth or eat a couple mints. That way you won't want anything else because nothing will taste good. And 
Yeah, that's just something that you can't see me, but I'm nodding with you. I'm like, (laughs) yes, I remember. I I remember being told that I remember Mm. sitting in watching my preceptors at during my internship tell other people that like I yes, I feel that so strongly. (laughs) Oh, gosh. And you know, I especially as someone who and I've talked about it on on the podcast before. I just love eating after dinner. I am just, I'm always that person. I can't not have a dessert and I typically also have a late night snack. And I just can't imagine going in to see a dietitian who tells me to eat a, you know, a peppermint or brush my teeth so because you shouldn't be eating after dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just yeah. All right, Nicole, you're next. Oh gosh, guys. Okay, confession. I worked for Weight Watchers in college. <laughs> Mm. Uh, So everything that was just said, I I like stood up in front of a group and Mm -hmm. recited it. And ah, um, I think one of the biggest things that was um, breached uh, by myself all the time was to measure everything, you know, kind of going off your first comment, Alyssa, you know, bite it, write it. I mean, can can you Mm -hmm. suck the joy out of food any more than, you know, demanding somebody to write it down the second it enters their mouth? Um, you know, I would encourage uh, measuring cups to be left, you know, oh, leave that cup and, you know, cup measuring cup inside your cereal box. So you never forget mm. to measure uh, just, yeah, just, <laughs> ugh. and then I think the other one is don't drink your calories. Um, oh, oh yeah. And I one. think of the meme or, you know, those, I, I just, the internet full of them, you know, enjoy your hot bean water. I use coffee creamer because I love myself. Um, you know, I, I, I felt so judged for so long because I like coffee creamer. And it just, that to me is, there's just no better way to start my day. And so it, you know, I would, we'll get into products later, but um, that is just something that I have warmly embraced my my coffee creamer. And that is how I want to start my morning every day. And so I'm just mindful of that when I'm speaking with other people that, you know, just chanting, don't drink your calories is not a good message to send mm-hmm. uh, with regard to diet and weight loss. Um, yeah, we're not I, I don't think it's our place to dictate, uh, you know, how people kind of eat and drink completely. I mean, we can certainly provide guidance, but uh, blanket statements like that are just not something that I find myself offering into the world anymore. Totally. It's all about like that balance, right? Of like, how much do you enjoy it? Is it something that does truly bring you joy, like coffee creamer? Or for me, it's a can of Coke every once in a while. Like, Mm -hmm. I enjoy that. I'm not going to demonize that food or feel bad anytime I order it. And I used to put all these rules and regulations around it. And it was like, I can only drink it when I used when I go out to eat, you know, when I go out to a restaurant. Well, then every time I went out to a restaurant, regardless of if I wanted it or not, I would order it. And now that I can have it whenever I want, I have it way less often than I did when I had these rules because then I would be like well let's just go out to eat because I wanted to coke (laughs) you know it's like it's funny how you think these rules are keeping you in eating less or staying away from these foods more often when in reality it's so insane how it works because it sounds so counterintuitive but the more permission you have to eat those foods oftentimes the less you eat them or you find that you actually can enjoy them and it it satisfies you because you're not feeling guilty the whole time. And then you feel like you have to make up for it. You can just enjoy your freaking coffee. <laughs> yeah. creamer. Or, or you yeah. realize that you didn't even really like that food and it was totally. for 10 years. And so you eat that like Twinkie. I remember, I remember Twinkie. I would like, Ugh, I yeah. it was so, you know, bad for me. And then I avoided it and then I tried it once and said, Oh, this is disgusting. I like that's Twizzlers spend- for me. 
Oh, same thing. I hate. Oh, I don't like Twizzlers, but I used to eat them because I could, and we'd only have them on like pool days as a kid, you know. Mm -hmm. So we'd go to the pool and we'd bring Twizzlers, and I'd eat them like crazy. And now, as an adult, as an adult, I'm like they literally disintegrate in my mouth. They are not Mm. good. I love Twizzlers. It's funny. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) See, everyone's different. You just have to. You just have to know that like you can make a choice out of freedom and not because you should or shouldn't like it. You know, it's like, do you actually enjoy it? And if you do good, my husband's a red vines, red vines man. So I don't know. There's like a big, Oh, Oh, is that the twirl? uh, I don't know. There's like a big debate. Oh, it's, it's a different brand of. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, I think I'm anti. (laughs) You're the Twizzler, team Twizzler. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. All right. So the next topic is labels and nutrition facts. Alyssa. Oh my gosh. The first one that came to my mind, and I literally just (laughs) talked about this on Instagram the other day. Um, I used to say, if you can't pronounce it, don't eat it. Like if you're reading the label and you can't pronounce something or you don't know, you can't identify it, you don't know what it is, it doesn't grow on a tree, don't eat it. Yeah. What kind of BS is that? So you can They're, eat anything, basically. Exactly. Literally nothing. Like it's so insane, the things that you find in foods that are like, and it, this goes back to that whole idea of like, the natural fallacy of saying like, oh, just because it's natural, it's going to be more healthy for you. Well, mm-hmm. there are some there is some truth to that when we get into the gentle nutrition and we know how our body responds to food, but that doesn't mean that on a nutrition label, like there are, there are chemicals or, and, or whole foods that there are names for it that you can't pronounce or understand like salt, you know, and it's written differently than just salt for you. And then you're like, well, I can't eat it because it says this crazy thing. And you're like, oh no, that's just salt. (laughs) So that was a big one for me. Mm -hmm. Yep. Do you have another one or do you want to? Oh my gosh, I forgot. You guys. I know, it's two. <laughs> I, know. I don't know. Maybe I should have done two. You, I can, no, can I, it off it's just because I'm first. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go um, backwards next time. We'll do the, the whole first se- next time. <laughs> the second one for me was all the math. Like I remember just really trying to hone it in and, and drill it in for people like, pay attention to portion size at the top. Like, okay, well, if you're going to have a, you know, I, I think of kombucha all the time because I I still think of it when I drink a kombucha. That's two serving sizes in a kombucha that you buy from the store. But I always drink the whole thing. I rarely put it back in the fridge and wait until tomorrow to eat it. And I remember telling people, like, pay attention to how many how many servings are in the container or in the pouch or in the package. Like, do the math, double everything, or two yeah. and a half times everything, which goes back to the whole track, track, track thing. And just really focusing in on those things. And now they've kind of changed a little bit of the legislator there where they can't necessarily do that intentionally. Like it needs to be reasonable that it's going to be more than one serving, but it's still there. Um, and that was something for sure. I used to like drill into people like pay attention, turn around you just because you think it's one serving. It's probably not. <laughs> yeah, And you know, I will say just to kind of play devil's advocate again, it is still important for someone who might be tracking their sodium or their carbohydrates if they have diabetes or there are definitely conditions where it is important to make sure that you know how to do that math. It's unfortunate that they have to do it because labels are so confusing. Mm-hmm. But like you said, they're changing it now. So I would think that a kombucha, you know, a 16 ounce kombucha, the serving size would be one now. For mm-hmm. the label uh, regulations, is that not the ones that we buy here in Columbus are definitely just one serving? <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, certainly some of them are, and I think I don't know if it's like 
state by state or what mm-hmm. that looks like. Um, but I, I do know that it is changing, which is good. And that's, yes. that's what people should expect when they turn it around. And I just remember being such a freak about it. Like, so, and I yes. think that was, you know, obviously that's me projecting my stuff onto clients or whatever, like, oh, this always catches me up. So I better tell them about it. And yes, absolutely. Yeah. You should pay attention to that if you need to. But at the same time, I think we rely on nutrition labels so much more than we really should because truly, and this is, this is my story again, coming in of, well, if the container says it's one serving, but I only want half, I might as well just drink the whole thing. Like to me, it was just like an excuse to have more of it, even if I didn't want it. And it was like, well, one Snickers bar is this, even if I only like these days I can literally, I never used to identify with anyone who could have a bite of a Snickers and then put it back. But now I do very frequently I can, or I do, or like I was talking about this in the podcast the other day of like, I think the serving size for Oreos is two Oreos. Well, there are times where I only want one or there are times where I want four or more. And so it's like, if, if we know the serving size, sometimes we just need to make sure we're paying attention to, we're paying attention to it when we need to, but not making decisions out of it. Does that make sense? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I can, I am nodding my head over here as well. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What about you, Brooke? Um, I think the biggest one for me when I was coaching clients was just read, read the label and make sure that it's five ingredients or less. And I was very strict about that five ingredients or less. Um, so like if you're comparing brands, go with the one with the less ingredients. And I mean, to a, to a degree, I think, you know, like if you hold up two types of peanut butter and there's one with two ingredients and one with eight, you know, try both and see what flavor you resonate with. And if they taste the same to you, like try the one that just has peanuts and salt. Um, Mm -hmm. if you, but if you prefer the one with sugar, then go that route. And so I, but I was very strict on that. Like, regardless go with the one with less ingredients even if you don't like the taste so that was Mm -hmm. probably the biggest thing and then the other one was of course sugar and calories just like watching watching your sugar watching your calorie amount reading labels to make sure that you're not going over on that um so those those were probably the biggest two in terms of nutrition labels yeah. Yeah. I had, I actually had calories. You keep saying your second one and it's exactly what I have for my first one. So I'm just going to follow up <laughs> with that. <laughs> I have focus on calories. That was a big one for me. And kind of going back to what you, Alyssa said, I was always adamant about making sure they first look at the serving size, which clearly the FDA thinks is still important because they have now made the serving size and, and calories, I believe so huge now on the label. Mm-hmm. Uh, So focus on the calories, look at the serving size. And now I'm not saying there's anything wrong with focusing on calories. Like what you just said, Brooke, if you have, if you want to go get a new kind of bread and you've got two items next to you, next to you and one, go ahead and buy both. If one of them has less calories and you like it just the same or even better, great. But if you like the one with more calories better, no one should tell you because it has 20 more calories per slice that you shouldn't make that choice. If you like it better, you're going to be more satisfied in the long run and you'll probably end up eating less in the long run. So I know for me, if I ate something that I didn't like, but I was thinking to myself, well, it only has this many calories, so I would probably end up eating more of it. That's just always what happens, um, at least in the long run. So I, I, I do not recommend counting calories or looking at calories on labels anymore generally, I would say. Um, it's really important to let your body be your guide. Your got your body knows how many calories you need, um, and whether you've had enough. And then my other one was I was 
I was a real big proponent and I'm still a proponent of whole grains but I used to be obsessed to the point where I would tell mm. people if it's not a hundred percent whole grain don't bother mm-hmm. and of course I worked in a grocery store so we would do grocery store tours and I would show them different breads and different pastas and always point out the 100% whole grain you got to look for the whole grain stamp and again I still believe and know that whole grains are very important and it's good to make at least half your grains whole but you know, for me personally, I prefer regular pasta that's not whole grain. And I used to not even eat pasta because I didn't necessarily love 100% whole grain pasta. And that's sad because pasta is delicious and there's nothing wrong with if you're eating pasta that's not 100% whole grain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, that's definitely something that I, I regret. And hopefully people aren't still out there that I, you know, counseled eating bread that they hate only because it's 100% whole grain. Hopefully they've learned by now that it's okay. Um, you know, 50% whole grain's fine too. And it's okay to have some refined grains in your diet as well, as long as you're enjoying it and you're balancing it out with some other whole grains in your diet. What about you, Nicole? Okay, I'll piggyback on that one. My advice was always when choosing a whole grain, try and make sure that it had five or more grams of fiber per serving, mm-hmm. which are typically the product. That's a lot, first of all, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. especially if you're talking about a slice of bread. I mean, that's yeah. borders oh on cardboard in many instances. Um, so that was just something I don't know where that came from. Um, and I think probably the best one I can think of is that I always encouraged people to buy foods that offered more volume for the number of calories mm-hmm. is to give kind of that visual appearance that you're eating more. And I always think of popcorn. I'd say, you know, mm-hmm. do you want this three cups of popcorn or those six crackers? And, you know, I mean, look how much food this is. It's, you get more hand to mouth action. I mean, it just, <laughs> I, I don't know, but the stuff flew from my lips and it just, mm-hmm. but what if I don't like popcorn? <laughs> yeah, you know, what if I don't want to eat that every single night? Um, it just, again, silly things. But I would say, you know, on a nutrition facts label, yeah, again, back to serving size. And then, then what does that volume look like? Um, yeah, I was a huge proponent of that whole volume metrics. There was a whole book on it. <laughs> And I would point out all the foods in the grocery store that have lots of volume with fewer calories, popcorn being a big one. So that was a that was a good example. Mm-hmm. All right. Speaking of popcorn, we've got food recommendations, specific, you know, brands or types of food recommendations. And Nicole, we'll start with you and you can give more than two. OK, well, <laughs> sugar free coffee creamer. That's a good one. This if you like it and that is something power to I just don't like it. Um, and I to me using an appropriate amount for my coffee is of the real deal is the right choice for me. Um, does anyone remember wow chips or chips oh, yeah. that were made with Olean yeah. or Olestra? Oh. I'm pretty sure they still exist. Doesn't that cause diarrhea? Oh yeah. <laughs> Who cares though? They're low um, calorie. <laughs> it's like not just diarrhea though. It's like greasy residue. Ooh. Like anal leakage. Yes. Yeah. It leaves a nice shiny sheen on the toilet. <laughs> I, I mean, I Probably can stop vividly... eating my tacos now. <laughs> I can oh, remember eating... reading no. all of the warnings. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I was like, well, they're low in calories, so we're doing this. Oh, um, yes. Fat free cheese. I mean, that Ooh, stuff does not melt. It does. I mean, yeah. It's like plastic. No. Oh, yeah. same, same thing. Sa- Fat free salad dressing. Oh, um, Plus, you know, on the topic of sugar and salt, I mean, if nobody's figured this out, then they probably have because they're listening to a nutrition podcast. But when you take all the fat out of something, 
it's flavorless and you mm-hmm. have to then try and make it edible. So you mm-hmm. add in a bunch of sugar and salt and still miss the mark. So yeah. and then you're um, hungry in like a day or an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Not a day. A day. Of course a day. Most likely. Um, in like 10 minutes. Yes. <laughs> uh, turkey hot dogs, which ironically I do really like, uh, but it was just one of those calorie things where it was like, oh, an all beef hot dog is this many calories, but a turkey hot dog is this many. So I only ate turkey hot dogs uh, with a low carb bun, of course. So I could eat like a whole hot dog for like 40 calories. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and then there, it's not a diet product, but I remember really in kind of the throes of my dieting, restricting my desserts to a product called Diana's Bananas. Anybody familiar with it? No, never heard of it. They're basically just like chocolate dipped bananas. I mean, there's tons mm. on the market now that are different. And they're, they were good, but for me, it was just a restriction thing. And so mm-hmm. I will always associate those with di- just dieting. And they're good and they're sweet, but that's not the only dessert I want. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's a good one. I would always recommend, you know, choosing fruit for dessert. <laughs> you know, if you don't, if you want dessert, something sweet after dinner, that's fine. But choose something, you know, like berries or watermelon. And if you want to add a little bit of sweetness to it, maybe a dollop of, you know, sugar-free or fat-free whipped cream. Uh, so it's kind of a similar suggestion that I used mm-hmm. to give. And again, you know, there is nothing wrong with fruit for dessert. Every once in a while, that's what I want too for dessert. Um, but it depends on what your motive is behind that. I think that's that's really an important thing to think about. Um, especially in, in going back to the fat-free cheese. I mean, there I'm not a huge fan of fat-free cheese, uh, but I'm sure some people like it and fat-free salad dressing. But it really depends on, you have to ask yourself, like, why am I eating this? Is it because I like it or is it because I feel like it's a better choice? Um my brain can't understand fat-free dressing. Like, what is it? Just vinegar? Like, what is it? It's <laughs> What's in water. There? It's water and sugar and salt, and maybe Ooh. like like carrageenan. <laughs> oh I don't man! Know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like it's, I can't get my brain around it. <laughs> <laughs> not a not a fan of it at all. Yeah, at all. Now, and and you know, there are some people who have to go on very low-fat diets, and and. For those people, I still think I if I had to go on a super, super low fat diet for some reason or another, I probably would still choose like a light dressing uh, that has a little bit more fat and just use less of it. Personally, I just really do not like the taste at all of low fat or fat free dressing and cheese. I just don't I just don't think it's good. Uh, they mm-hmm. make some really good light ones out there. Lighter cheese, lighter dressings that I think are just a, a bit better, actually a, a good amount better. So I'll go next. I don't know. I said this at the beginning before we started recording, but Walden Foods. Do you guys know what this is? Nicole, I feel like you've heard of it. Oh, yes. Okay. No. So here's what they are. You've probably actually seen them, but they are... I, the two products that come to my mind, actually, they've got dressings. They also have a chocolate sauce and like a a marshmallow fluff. But it's... I want to say it's zero calories. Uh, Zero calories, zero carbs, zero sugar, zero everything. Don't ask me what's in it. Do not even ask me because I really do not know. But I would, we would go straight to that aisle in the grocery store and I would say, you know, look at these wonderful products. They make a a marshmallow fluff, a dressing. They make a caramel uh, topping and a chocolate topping for ice cream. 
it's just it's just not good good folks i'm telling you again if you have to watch your carbs i understand there was a time when i had to watch my carbs to a t when i had gestational diabetes i would still in a million years choose the real thing and just use less of it this stuff mm-hmm. is terrible again though mm-hmm. if someone's listening and they like it i respect that but just ask yourself are you eating it because you like it or because you feel like you have to yeah, so. <laughs> I have serious trust issues with anything that says zero calories outside of water. <laughs> if you say zero calories, I'm already skeptical. <laughs> yeah, something ain't right. Okay, right. so the next one is plain Greek yogurt. I used to actually try to convince myself that I truly enjoyed plain Greek yogurt. It's like eating cream cheese <laughs> or not cream cheese, sour cream. It's eating sour cream out of a cup. Now, I like plain Greek yogurt. I do. Mm. However, only with other things. Like I will Mm -hmm. definitely have to add like a scoop of peanut butter and some fresh strawberries. You have to add other things to that yogurt. But I would legitimately recommend it like as a snack, just plain Greek yogurt. Oh Mm -hmm. gosh. People people did look at me like I was crazy. (laughs) And you're like, no, it's fine. Trust me. It's it's great. So good. You're going to love it. I would recommend it as a sour cream replacement. If you, if you have it in your refrigerator, I mean, I, I actually use it as sour cream, but not as like a side of, or a cup of, of, you know, snack yogurt. No, Mm -hmm. unless you add other things. All right. The next one I have is plain rice cakes or just rice cakes in general. Although I will say I do still like rice cakes. I used to though, only allow myself to eat the plain ones that basically are five calories and maybe 10 milligrams of sodium. I never liked them, but they were just something that I could eat for very low calories, similar Mm -hmm. to the whole popcorn thing. Um, I still would recommend rice cakes because I actually think that they're delicious, but I like, you know, the sweeter ones or the, the white cheddar ones. And I generally will put something on top, like some sliced avocado. I like the crunch, Uh, but I did used to legit recommend plain rice cakes, which I, yeah. I actually love rice cakes too. Yeah. They're good. They're good. They're good. Peanut, peanut butter, butter honey. Mm, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't you had a chocolate, chocolate one. Yeah. Peanut the, butter on the chocolate one. So yes. Oh, gotcha. Oh, well, that's a good yeah. idea with banana. I really have only done it. plain and I had a cinnamon one one time that was good. Um, mm. But I do like them. They do have like a really good crunch to them. They were a really good car snack for me because they didn't make like a huge crazy mess. Like my toast would always like have crumbs <laughs> all over and my rice crack or my uh, rice cakes with peanut butter made it like stick together really well so it didn't crumble like it would if it was just dry and gross yes that actually sounds so good now i want a rice cake i know i kind of feel like one too (laughs) okay so my next one this was really i would say at the height of my obsession with reducing carbohydrates in my diet i really did truly convince myself that i did not like pasta i mean i I would tell people, like, I don't even like pasta. I'm Italian, and I would tell people I don't like pasta. That is sad. So <laughs> That is sad. <laughs> it is so sad. So I would tell people, instead of getting pasta, just get a spaghetti squash, or there were these, it was a bag of, I think, like, soy noodles. I'm not even sure what they were made of, but we sold them in our dairy department or at the grocery store where I worked at. I, I want to say they were made of soy and water, but they were basically about, I would say in one cup, about five calories. Again, the really low calorie. And I would recommend this stuff. Now I will say I did try them a couple of times and actually did legit like them. 
but they had to be doctored up with quite a bit of, of stuff. But mm-hmm. still, would I ever buy them again? I would not. Um, and mm-hmm. I still, again, love spaghetti squash. But if you're in the mood for pasta, spaghetti squash is not going to cut it. And neither are those soy noodles. So if you're in the mood for pasta, now my recommendation would be to eat the pasta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love spaghetti squash, but it, yeah, it certainly is not a pasta replacement, but it's fun. It's not. It's not. (laughs) It's fun to strip down like spaghetti. Yes, it is. My kids love watching that. (laughs) Yeah, it is fun as a kid to watch it. Yeah. The first time I did it when I wasn't a kid, I thought it was awesome. Yep. Yep. (laughs) What about you, Brooke? Um, I think the biggest one I'll never forget in college, my roommate was on Weight Watchers and we would buy spray butter, like the, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Spray butter. And we would literally like make air pop popcorn and we would like use a whole bottle of spray butter. And then we would like, we would never feel satisfied, right? We should have just put regular butter on it. Um, So that's the one that brings me back to college. And then I think right after college, when I was a dietitian, I think the first thing I I think of is Halo Top ice cream. Mm. And now I would never touch it. I mean, again, if you (laughs) like it, that's fine. But I'm all like for Tillamook brand ice cream through and through. It is so creamy and delicious. So is that a local brand? Uh, it's from Oregon, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, it's it's big here. Yeah, it's called huh. Tillamook. And they make cheese, too. And their cheese is incredible. Mm-hmm. And so I love their brand of ice cream. And so that's all we buy now. And it's like they add egg whites to it. And it's just like mm. so creamy. And oh, it's, it's delicious. And yeah. then I think another thing for me was I got diagnosed with celiac when I was 21. And so I kind of like got all into gluten-free everything and I think for me I I thought that I would like magically lose weight when I transitioned to everything gluten-free and I found myself just buying anything that was labeled gluten-free even if I didn't like it and Mm. people would start doing that for me they would buy me like every cracker that was gluten-free even though (laughs) they weren't good and you know back then this was you know 13 years ago um I like the stuff wasn't good (laughs) it like didn't taste good and so I and then uh, now the gluten-free thing is trending a little bit, but yeah. So I think I was promoting like gluten-free brands in hopes that I would lose weight, but obviously Mm -hmm. that did not happen. (laughs) I just found that things did not taste as good. They didn't have as much fiber and it wasn't, I was better off just eating foods I actually liked that were naturally gluten-free, but yeah, Yeah. really the spray butter and halo top are the the (laughs) top two things I think of. Oh my gosh. I used to take really, really light, low calorie bread and toast it, douse it with spray butter and then put like cinnamon on it and maybe a tiny little bit of sugar and make myself, you know, cinnamon toast that just, Mm. again, that butter, isn't that zero calories? Oh, that's water. Water. Straight up It's water. It's it's nasty. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. I'll never forget because we I grew up with spray butter in the home and I don't I don't actually know why because my mom was never dieter. She actually had struggled to gain weight her whole life. But she I don't know why we had it. But anyways, I remember seeing the horror on my husband's face when we were just dating and he came back home to visit my family and we took out the spray butter for popcorn (laughs) and his face. I was like, oh, yeah, this isn't food. (laughs) He was 
It was hilarious to watch. I can still picture it so vividly in my in my head of him being like, what are you doing? Why are you spraying water flavored or butter flavored water on my popcorn? Oh, oh my gosh. That's so, so funny. It's pretty funny. Yep. I think my mom still buys it too. Um, to each their own. Yes, exactly. So, okay. So for mine... Mine comes down to bread, bread items always. I remember, and maybe you guys will remember the brand. I know there's a ton on the market now, but I remember thinking I was so incredible for finding these really high fiber crackers, like the ones that are, you know, cardboard, but labeled (laughs) the horrible (laughs) crackers. And I used to be like, no, 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 you guys, it's fine. All you do is make up your tuna salad or your chicken salad. Instead of putting it on bread, put it on these crackers. It's the same, but there's like 1000 grams of fiber in there. You know, it was just (laughs) such a high fiber cracker. The color is the same color as cardboard. It cracks like cardboard. It is the grossest cracker. In my opinion, some people might like it. But again, trying to convince myself I liked this cracker that had no salt. There was like no sodium. I don't even know how they bake that thing. Mm -hmm. So it was just so I just remember thinking I was so smart for figuring that out. Like, oh, this is the same. (laughs) I'm so smart, you guys. And it had like more fiber in there than anything you can find on the market. It was so much. I don't even think they made it in America. It was like a foreign brand that you had to find. Super into those. Always recommended those. And then, um, which I would... I didn't know what it was. Was it like a German... Yes. I feel like yes, I like Scandinavian or something. But yes. Okay. Okay. Oh my gosh. It came in like a red... Package and they were so expensive too. They were like four fifty for like eight crackers. Yeah. Oh my it was gosh. insane. Yes, <laughs> and I remember thinking I was so great for finding these, and it was such an easy swap. It was just such an easy swap. You can do mm. it, and um, and there, just no taste, no taste, yeah. no enjoyment in that food. And I remember putting things on top of it to cover it up. It was like basically I should have just used a spoon. What like, literally? <laughs> I was just using it as a vessel at that point. Um. <clears throat> the other thing along that same line where the bread thins, do you guys remember? They were oh, like, yeah. they're rounds. They're like rounds yes. and they're super thin. And I would just make all my sandwiches on them. And at one point I got to the point <laughs> where I was still hungry. So I would eat two. So then I was eating two full sandwiches <laughs> because I was so hungry because I wasn't e- eating the real bread. I was eating these tiny little paper thin yeah. bread thins, exactly. thinking I was saving calories when in reality I was actually probably ending up eating more once again. <laughs> Do we see a pattern with me? Um, and the same issue, or the same thing was, and this is kind of goes along with the next, the general advice category we're going to talk about too. But I used to recommend people swap their soda for um, like seltzer water and lime, <laughs> as if that's the same at all. Like, no, 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 just try it. I know you're used to 43 grams of sugar per cup, but like, just try this seltzer water with a spritz of lime. You're gonna love it. I just I'm laughing so hard because it's like that is so not even realistic of a swap like I didn't even go the diet route I was just like how about just water (laughs) yeah and and, you know in in reality that is actually a really good suggestion but not right at the beginning like you don't take someone who's (laughs) drinking you know five cokes a day and recommend seltzer water with with lime but you know Mm -hmm. after maybe six months of trying to change and like working on changing and reducing his intake or her intake that would be a nice swap but not you know right out the gate well and again and coming from someone who does enjoy drinking soda I remember thinking like okay like now through my journey of intuitive eating what is actually effective is saying hey how do we feel after drinking these sodas now let's 
try, just try subbing it out for water or just try adding more water in mm-hmm. your diet and see how that makes you feel. Because listen, yeah. I'm not I'm I'm not going to sit here and tell you everyone fits into a box, but almost everyone fits into a box that soda is not going to be the best thing that makes you feel the best afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like from your teeth to everything else, it doesn't feel good typically. So, you can kind of start to, you know, let people in on what their own body is doing with that soda versus water. And how does that actually feel? And instead, I was just like, no, 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 let's just trick your body into thinking you're actually drinking soda, which is just not effective. So those are mine, I think. All right, good. Yeah. All right, Nicole, why don't you start with the just general advice that maybe doesn't fit into a category that you would probably never give again? Okay. Uh, And I'll keep it short. I know we're running out of time here. Uh, Aim for one to two pounds of weight loss a week. Mm. Not that that's a bad thing to say. Um, but I think it just sets an expectation that that's the pace in which it's appropriate to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And I just don't, I wouldn't say that anymore. Um, well, the hardest part is getting started. I find that to be true with exercise, but not with nutrition. I actually think that the hardest part is maintaining, um, Mm. whether it's weight loss or healthy lifestyle. I think just moderation is something that people struggle with. It's a lot easier to get on and off the bus. Um, very kind of rapidly, but that, that kind of steady state, I think is where, um, kind of the true essence of where we want to be, you know, is, is at, and, and that's the hardest part to achieve. So I don't think the hardest part is getting started. Yeah. I do. I do agree though. The the hardest part, I, I wouldn't even say the hardest part is getting started for exercise. I think it's, it is actually still maintaining exercise in general for a long term. Now in one day, the hardest part is getting started. <laughs> Like getting started on the yeah. bike and pedaling, and then afterwards you're like, "Yay, I did it!" But in general, starting an exercise, you know, regimen or routine, I would say doing it for the long run and maintaining it is is also difficult. Yeah. I don't know. Um, all right, what about? I'll, I'll go ahead and go. So I would say one of the biggest things that I used to always recommend and push because of what the USDA says is aim for three servings of dairy a day and. I don't necessarily recommend that anymore. In fact, I don't recommend it at all. I I think if you want to, you know, consume dairy, that's fine. If you want to aim for three servings, that's fine at most. But now I really try to make it clear to anyone that I meet with that it does not have to be dairy. It can be dairy alternatives as long as you're getting that vitamin D and calcium uh, and that you know, you might not even need to have three servings. I think that even two is probably sufficient. Um, but I used to be really big about three servings of dairy a day. Uh, and then I would say most importantly, something that I really regret, especially my first 10 years as a dietitian, is just going too strong at first with clients and not understanding the stages of change. And I know I had mentioned this on a previous episode, but I think that our dietetic curriculum is really missing the mark when it comes to the stages of change in general. I don't think I've ever evaluated someone's stage of change uh, ever. And, you know, I'm very far removed from personal counseling as of the past about eight years. Um, But my first 10 years as a dietitian, when I did personal consulting, I just went right into here's my recommendation. Here's what you should start doing versus actually trying to analyze where they're at, whether they're in pre-contemplation, contemplation, et cetera. And I'm sure that was a disservice to some of the pe- people that I met. 
I also think that I focus too much on the destination instead of the journey, which I think oftentimes was led by the client who tended to focus on fast results. But looking back, I believe that I could have worked harder to slow them down and instill an image of health and wellness instead of just changing physical features and doing it fast. Um, so if I'm ever back in the, you know, meeting with clients for personal consultations type world, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to have to learn a lot more about the stages of change and, and understand that a little bit better, which I'm actually currently doing. So what about you, Brooke? Um, I think the biggest thing, the biggest advice that I wouldn't give now is just that in order to be healthy, you have to lose weight or mm -hmm. if you lose weight, you're doing it in a healthful way. Or if you're in a larger body, you can't be healthy. Um, I've just learned so much in the last two years, just really about health at every size. And health at every size, of course, does not mean that every single person in their current body is healthy, is a healthy individual. But it does just mean that, you know, there are people in all size bodies that, that are healthy. And there are people in all size bodies who are not healthy. Mm -hmm. And so I think... I, I had a lot of judgment early on as a new dietitian of just, oh, well, they look healthy, healthy. And I wouldn't dig deep enough when, when talking to people um, about their actual behaviors. And now I'm very, very focused on, well, what are your behaviors? Like, I don't weigh my clients. We don't talk about weight. Like, I, I do not want to know their weight. I do not want to know how many calories they're eating. But I want to know 100% about what behaviors they're doing. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. what what is your you know, movement routine look like? How much water do you think you're drinking a day? How do you feel when you get sleep? How, how are you taking care of yourself with self-care? So I really, um, I think I put way too much weight in weight early on. And now I put just so much emphasis on the behaviors themselves. And so I think that's one thing that has shifted so much in the last, you know, eight, eight years as a dietitian. Yeah. Yes. I second that. <laughs> what about you, Alyssa? Yeah, that was honestly one of my top ones that came to mind is just the idea of <clears throat> weight is one piece of the puzzle. And I used to think the puzzle was like one piece, <laughs> you know, I used to just <laughs> think it was like really solely focused on that. And now we know, okay, weight is typically a symptom, but also it's one piece of a thousand piece puzzle easily. There's so much that goes into it behavior wise. And um, yeah, I agree. I think not putting such an emphasis on weight and our culture already does that for us. So we don't have to, as clinicians, be as intentional about that. We can focus on other things. And I think that's where we find our members really see progress. It's not in the scale. It's not in the scale. Mm -hmm. It's in their body image. It's in their body acceptance. It's in the way that they look at certain foods. It's in the way that they feel after they ingest certain foods or they choose to or not to eat certain foods. Um, and that's where that health at every size can really play a huge role in hopefully the future of how clinicians um, continue to treat clients and having that weight bias. And I remember thinking that too, with like eating disorder clients, I remember seeing someone at the hospital who had a diagnosed eating disorder and thinking, Oh, they're not small enough to have an eating disorder. I mean, I truly remember that. And then um, that's just really sad. So I think weight stigma has major issues. <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast, but, um, it's, but I think that's one of them is to not focus on the weight, focus on the behaviors because weight isn't a behavior. Um, mm -hmm. that's one. The other, <laughs> the two that I remember getting really caught up in is when, do you guys remember that book that came out that was eat this, not that? Oh yes, yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, <laughs> so many swaps. And I actually feel like 
kind of everything I've talked about here has to do with this, like getting caught up in this, like eat this, not that. So what's the better choice? What's the better choice? And just this idea of labeling foods as better or worse, good or bad, healthy or unhealthy versus seeing it as this bigger picture of honoring our health in a multitude of ways and knowing that, yes, there are certain foods that bring you more vitamins and minerals and energy and whatnot um, than others. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're better for you in that moment. And I just was so into this obviously, as you could tell with the cracker story, (laughs) eat this, not that, do the swaps. It's a quick change, you know, from your, like you were saying, uh, Gina, I think, I think it was Gina, um, the yogurt one that you were saying, like Mm. the Greek yogurt, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that, um, making those swaps. So I got really caught up into that and I don't think I would do that anymore. (laughs) And then also go to bed hungry. I used to tell people to go to bed hungry or like, don't eat right before bed. And I don't, Mm -hmm. I just like remember trying to think through, that like, oh, this makes sense because then you're, bo- you're not going to get as good of sleep because your metabolism is working and your digestion. Oh my gosh, your body is always working, <laughs> always working. Your body doesn't stop working when you're sleeping. Um, so I just remember thinking, oh, go to bed hungry make, made sense to me. Um, but in reality, it, it caused way more problems than it solved. So those are yeah. probably the ones that I can think of that fit into the just general advice in general. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I actually have had clients tell me that they enjoy going to bed hungry because it makes them feel good knowing that they're mm. hungry and, you know, oh. but they're not going to eat, you know, and that's yeah. that's truly sad. Sad. All right. So let's end on a positive note and discuss some <laughs> tried that. and true. <laughs> I think this is important advice that we've given and still feel really good about. And we're just going to go ahead and we can just do this really quickly. Just name your top, you know, two to four things. And Nicole, you can go ahead and start. Uh, okay. <laughs> Don't eliminate foods you love. Um, that's number one. Two, I would say try new foods. Boredom with what you're eating shouldn't ever happen. Um, and I will say with that, just an emphasis around cooking or just kind of meal assembly, just learning a bit more about how to get creative with what you're making. Um, kind of a random one, but find ways to enjoy beans and legumes. I don't know why. I feel like they're just under, they just need love. They need love. And I think they need some creativity. So I just, an honorable mention there for beans and legumes. And then I think the other, the last one would just be macronutrient balance. I just feel like um, without counting or tracking or logging, I think we just need to, I emphasize at least the importance of protein and fat for satiety. It just, I feel better when I include, you know, at most meals, some sources of protein and fat. So I I think that that's sound nutrition and um, certainly for the population I work with day in and day out, um, uh, some sound advice that I I feel good sending out into the world. Awesome. Agreed with all of those. Here's some things that I still say that I I still believe in. And And one of them is aim for mostly whole grain foods. I'm not saying aim for all like I used to, but if you can aim for mostly whole grains, I think you're, you're you're doing well. Also, if you can, try to make your plate half fruit or vegetables or at least add a fruit or vegetable to every meal. Um, it doesn't have to necessarily be half your plate. If it is, great. If it's not, oh well. And I'm not saying that you should you know, put yourself down if you don't always get a fruit or vegetable for every meal. Um, just aim for that. And if you do, great. Uh, it's just one of those, it's just those two food groups that we're just not getting enough of and over and over again. It's, um, that's what studies are showing. Uh, I would also say 
advice that I've given for a long time and I still truly believe in, and it's that you don't need animal proteins um, for protein. So you, there are other ways to get to get protein in your diet. It certainly makes it easier if you're consuming animal proteins as far as you know dairy and um, meat and fish, but it's not necessary. Just meet with a good dietitian to help you figure out how to get that protein in your diet without animals. Uh, another one I like is fresh is best, of course, but processed isn't bad and there's nothing wrong with processed food. It does fit into a balanced diet. It's really mostly about dietary patterns. I love that the USDA dietary guidelines still um, strongly advocate dietary patterns over focusing on just one meal or one day of meals. And then lastly, don't be fooled by erroneous or useless label claims. Choose foods based on satisfaction and desire, not on the label. All right. What about you, Brooke? I think, well, my first job was at WIC and I was a lactation specialist. And so I think the biggest thing I learned there was just like pregnant women obviously have increased needs, but breastfeeding moms have really increased needs. So if you're pumping or nursing, um, it's really important that you nourish yourself enough. And that's something that I still work on with my current clients. So I think that's something that's always stayed with me is just knowing that pregnant and nursing moms have much, um, much higher needs and it's normal for them to feel really hungry. Um, mm-hmm. I heard that all the time. And then when I started pumping and nursing, I was like, Oh, okay. I actually physically understand what people were talking about. <laughs> um, movement. I think the biggest thing was, you know, exercise has been such an important part of my life forever. I definitely had a disordered relationship with it, but now I've, I've definitely healed it. And so I still believe movement is, is so important. Um, but now I've like really shifted to embracing walking and stretching so much like low impact exercise. Um, and so I really, that's something that's super important. Um, when I work with my clients as we talk about what are, what are movements that you like? What are movements that you enjoy that you would continue doing long-term? Um, so I don't ever like recommend anything rigid. Um, I was actually an exercise science major more than longer than I was a nutrition major. Um, so, so it's really, you know, of course important that people find what they enjoy. Otherwise they're not going to stick with it. And we know that the more we move, the more we walk, um, you know, it can help lower our cholesterol and lower our blood sugar and all of those things. Um, so that's something I still recommend fiber and protein and fat. Um, I actually never really, besides my butter incident (laughs) in college, when I became an RD, I actually, um, I went like down the keto, you know, way. And so I've never actually really been scared of fat as a dietitian. Um, so I fully embrace fat and I think water is something that I've always, um, really, you know, encourage my clients to increase. So a lot of my clients are breastfeeding moms or pregnant women. And so I think it's really important that just everyone really work on their water consumption. Um, but that is something that I've seen drastically from clients recently in the last month saying like, my headaches are going away now that I'm drinking more water and I don't feel dizzy. And I'm, um, they're finding that there's actually a lot of correlation with their mood and energy and headaches and dizziness, those kinds of things, um, because they were dehydrated and they, that wasn't something they were looking out for. And actually Alyssa and I, as clinical dietitians, um, we were two feeding dietitians for five years together. And we talked about urine color and water consumption (laughs) all day long. And that is something that I still feel is really important. So those are mine. Nice. 
Yeah. And uh, I'm going to piggyback on that. I had a huge list and was crossing them off as you guys went, because I think a lot of ours all kind of overlap. Um, Something that I've always said uh, that I've always been proud of is food should never be the source of guilt. Like we shouldn't feel guilty about what food choices we do make, regardless of what they are. Um, We're always living in the next step, right? Like the next best choice for our body, the next best choice to honor our, our body. And we shouldn't be making decisions out of guilt of what we've done in the past, regardless So I still believe that, still stand by that. And we actually have an entire course for our members about how to drop the guilt around food because it's so drilled into us at a young age, unfortunately. Um, I've always been a proponent of variety. So like kind of like what you're saying, Nicole, is like trying new foods, like get creative, but like including a variety of foods. I can be so type A where I can just print out a spreadsheet and be like, okay, on Mondays I eat eggs and Tuesdays I, you know, like I can get that way myself. And so I just know how important it is to get a variety of foods, to get in all those like different vitamins and minerals and, and try new things and keep it fresh and interesting and exciting while also getting our nutritionist. So variety, I've always been a proponent of. Um, telling people that all foods fit. I've never been a big person of like completely restricting an entire food group or even an entire food. I think the only one I can remember telling people 100% no is margarine. (laughs) I remember being like, just not that. Everything else, there's a place for it in your diet. So although now I'm, I'm much more liberal with like what whatever you feel is good for you, you know you best. But even in the early days, I might have been a little bit quieter about it, but I always believed that all foods fit. Um, It really depended what dietitian I was working under at the time, (laughs) how how loudly I said that. Um, And then too, the other thing that I've always taught and will stand by forever is eating enough throughout the day. I think So many times our busy lifestyles, especially here in America, we tend to like skip breakfast and like kind of wear it as like a badge of honor. And then like we don't eat till, you know, 4 p.m. And and even if we're not in like purposely intermittent fasting, like literally people are just like, oh, I just forget or I'm so busy. And then we eat all this food at night. And I've always been a big proponent of eating consistently throughout the day and starting with a good breakfast that honors your hunger of you waking up and your body and keeps you sustained throughout the day. So those were mine. And then of course, everything you guys said too. <laughs> <laughs> we are just so, such good dietitians. Even well, with all the sure things are. that we regret, we have so many great things that we still say and they're tried and true and we believe in. So awesome. Well, you guys have been so much fun. I'm glad this finally worked out. And yeah. We all have kids, and yet I haven't heard one kid this entire time, which is, I think, nothing short of a miracle. I just heard something drop for sure, and I'm not quite sure if that's my husband or my child. Or your child. I think he's feeding him. (laughs) Oh, boy. I'm glad you guys didn't hear that. (laughs) No, we sure didn't. I heard a big bang, and I was like, oh. Well, hopefully everything's okay. (laughs) Tell um, our listeners quickly where they can find you. Um, you can find us over at diet.riders on Instagram and then we each have our own um, accounts as well because because we actually both specialize in different things on our own so you can find me at nutrition for mamas I really work on postpartum body image um, especially like for breastfeeding and just postpartum moms in general um, and finding balance with your health and then Alyssa you can tell them where to find you as well 
Yeah. And you guys can find me also a diet debt writer. So Brooke and I share that account where we help women. We have a membership there, um, find food freedom and really listening to their bodies rather than another fad diet, uh, really helpful information there. And then I also have an account, uh, mama and me RD on Instagram where I help moms raise independent eaters. Um, and I really specialize in the picky eating phase during the toddler years. So check me out there. If you've got a little toddler or a little one on the way, I'd love to help you through that journey. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on our podcast. We so appreciate it. And now you can get back to your day because it's, you know, 8.15 here. What is it? It's so You haven't had dinner here. yet. Oh, yeah, it's we got, Okay, We got time. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, enjoy the rest of your evening. <laughs> thank you. And thank, thank you, you guys. guys so much for having us. We love your show. Thanks so much. You guys too. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. So that was so much fun. I, I have to say, though, there was a huge one that I completely forgot to mention. And that is, and I, I think I actually did mention this uh, in our interview, but I used to work at a weight loss clinic. And one of the big things that I will never, hopefully in my life again, do is weigh people. I'm pretty sure we didn't say that. None of us said that, but I did used to track people's weights week to week. And I can just remember having conversations with clients, you know, they'd be sitting across from me and they'd say, so this was a weight loss clinic. This was with a liquid weight loss diet, by the way. So it was a 500 calorie, very low calorie diet in liquid form. And a lot of times people would lose like 10 to 15 pounds the first and second week, especially men, but it was mainly water weight, right? And then as the weeks went on, they would get really, really discouraged when they would only see one pound lost or a half pound lost or two pounds lost. They would even get discouraged if they lost three pounds, if the previous week they'd lost 10. And having those conversations, looking back, I mean, especially now with new eyes after having read, you know, health at every size and reading body respect, I just, I, oh gosh, if I could just go back and read and and relive those conversations uh, with those clients and just have a conversation about how, you know, your weight, you've got to set weight. You really can't do much about your weight. You know, you're, you're doing this low, very low calorie diet and you might lose weight right now, but you're probably going to put it all back on and that's okay. Doesn't mean you're a failure. It's the diet that's failing you. And I just, oh gosh, so many memories of conversations in that weight loss clinic that I, I guess I, I say I regret them. I think I learned a lot and Hopefully the people who I saw at that time, this was 15 years ago, hopefully they've come to accept and love their body just like I've come to accept and love mine. Um, And hopefully they've seen the light and they're doing well. That's all I have to say. Um, Okay. Uh, Favorite new products or mom wins, Nicole? Mexican street style uh, cauliflower. So I'm really on a cauliflower oh. kick. I don't know why. Um, okay. But it's basically just roasted cauliflower. And then you make this really yummy uh, sauce that has a little bit of mayo and Greek yogurt and lime juice and cumin and cayenne. Um, and you like drizzle it over the top and with with like some queso fresco or cojita, cojita, I don't know. So mm. really yummy cheese. Yes. Um, and that's it. It's just delicious. So if you're looking to just a new kind of fresh take on a vegetable, I highly recommend. That sounds really good. Other than the fact that it's cauliflower, which gives me like some of the worst gas you've ever experienced. <laughs> and when I say you've ever experienced, like if you were in the room experiencing my worst gas, oh gosh, it's terrible. I don't know what it is about cauliflower. I mean, it is, it's bad. Is it okay. FODMAP? It has to be. Oh yeah. Major FODMAP. Yeah. It's, it's one of the, it's, 
out of all the FODMAPs, there's, I think, three things that I still try to avoid as much as possible. Inulin, onion, and cauliflower. Otherwise, I'm, I'm pretty good. Oh, all right. So bad. I know. What, what, what's the sad thing? The cauliflower or the onion or both? Both of those. Those yeah. are those are kind of staples. I mean, onions and everything. That's a tough one. It is. And, and I obviously, I can't avoid it completely. It's, it's virtually impossible. But I just, whenever a recipe calls for onion, I just don't add it. That's really as far as I go. I do not avoid things that have onion um, because, again, that's really hard to do. Uh, but I, I do not add onion when I make recipes. For example, the recipe that I'm going to talk about right now, the butternut squash and sausage stuffed shells that you posted a while back. And mm-hmm. I actually made this quite a while ago. I would say it's probably been a month or so actually it might've even been December when I made this. It just sounded really, really good Uh, with butternut squash calls for onion. I did not add that Uh, jumbo shells, Italian turkey sausage, which I just used a regular uh, Italian sausage. Actually, I did not use turkey sausage, baby spinach, garlic, milk, vegetable broth, ricotta, egg, Parmesan, just like any, you know, stuffed shell recipe. But I think the unique part here was the butternut squash. I also think it'd be good to note that if you are a vegetarian and you'd prefer to use a vegetarian sausage, I think that would be very easy to do in this recipe. I really did not think it was very labor intensive. I know before we got on this um, to to record today, you said that's a labor intensive one. I didn't, you know, I'm a lazy in the kitchen cook. I didn't find this to be too uh, unbearable. Uh, So I will definitely be making it again. And Nick basically said, you have to put this in our... Uh, repertoire for for recipes. So it needs to be part of the, um, you know, the the monthly rotation, basically. Uh, he loved it. And really, the whole family loved it. So I would highly recommend it. It's from your your uh, website, Butternut Squash and Sausage Stuffed Shelves. Yeah, big hit in this family. Yeah, I, I can't take uh, credit for the recipe, but I, I did repost it. Um, I'm sure I made some tweak along the way. But it, it, I don't know about you, Gina, but there's something about the sweet savory in that it yeah. was just truly like a pause and like enjoy every bite type of meal for me. I don't know. It was so good. Yeah, I agree. It, oh, like very so, memorable so recipe for me. And I cook a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was one of those recipes where very rarely do I, do I um, get a food like this or I encounter a food like this. I could not stop eating it. I mean, I know I was full, but I just could not stop. I just kept going back. Oh, so, so good. All right. So coming up on March 14th, we will be dishing about the National School Lunch Program and how it affects you and your kids uh, with Maggie. Is it Maggio? Maggio. Yeah. Maggio. Okay. I'm actually really excited to hear about this because actually Paige will be in public school next year for the first time. And I am ecstatic because I maybe can take a break from packing lunches. So that's exciting. Until then, keep in touch with us on social media at Dietitians Dish Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. And check out all of our episodes and show notes on our website, dietitiansdishpodcast.com. Also, please tell your friends about us. They can find us on numerous outlets such as Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. If you listen on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. We promise it only takes a few seconds. Hey, until next time, everyone, be well. And Nicole, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, Gina. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye.